Hey everybody, welcome back to Being Extra. So like I said, um, I was bringing the podcast back after taking a little hiatus in 2022. So um, a lot has changed since those last episodes in 2021. Uh, we went through in a whole election cycle that we're going to dive into on multiple episodes. Um, and yeah, this is going to be a fun journey, but today I want to talk to you about my PhD journey. So I am working on my PhD right now in public policy and administration. So I have decided to attend Walden University and Walden University is online. So I'm going to be, well, I'm currently attending Walden University online to get my PhD and um, it's pretty cool. Um, I was really nervous, really excited about it when I told y'all about it in December. So now that I'm a couple months in, I just want to talk about the journey so far and just everything that's been going on. So um, yeah, let's get into it. So the first class that you go through is foundations and foundations kind of refreshes you on the whole process. So writing skills, how to use APA 7th edition, um, how to use the library, you know, how to critically think when you're reading articles and how to use critical writing skills in all your applications and stuff. So um, I definitely overstressed the foundations course because I wanted to do a really, really good job and I was really, really nervous about it. So like I did a lot of work in it. Um, with the online platform, so you really don't see the other people in class. So you have an online platform, you can put your picture up there so that way people can see your faces. But a lot of the people in my classes do not put their picture up there. So that's very interesting to me. And basically, um, they post a topic for the week. So you, the professor posts, okay, this is the topic for the week. Um, this is your reading assignments for the week. And then by Wednesday, you do your initial post. And then by Friday, you do at least two responses on two different days to, um, they call them your colleagues um, or your peers um, to kind of engage in conversation with them. And then by Sunday, you make sure to reply to any of the comments underneath your post. So that way you're constantly staying engaged with people in your, um, in your class. And it's been going pretty well. It's really interesting to see the differences in students in the classes. Because um, now I've gone through foundations and then I'm enrolled in um, ethics and social justice. And then I'm enrolled in um, intellectual theories of public policy. So the foundations course, um, I ended it with a drum roll, please, a 4.0. So I get to proudly say that I have a 4.0 in my PhD program right now, which is really, really exciting. Um, and so I am really, really pumped about that. I just think it's going to be really exciting to be on this journey. Um, I definitely had a lot of imposter syndrome in the foundations course because I was just like, I don't know if I'm doing a good enough job. I don't know if you know, I'm going to be smart enough or if I'm going to have the time or if I'm going to have the energy, like, because I've talked about it before, like, I get really excited about something and then something happens and I and I feel like let down and, and I feel like, oh my God, I, I completely screwed up and it's all my fault. And, and like, I just go into this deep spiral. And I think that one way that I'm working through that is, you know, the consistent therapy. Like I always talk about always go through therapy. Doesn't matter if you are 
you know, going through something positive in life, something negative in life. Like it doesn't matter. Like you should have therapy. It doesn't matter if you have a diagnosis. If you don't have a diagnosis, you should always go through therapy. Therapy is something that I believe changes people's lives. Um, and there's gotta be a way to make it more affordable. I think that's a huge barrier for people not going to therapy is the affordability because it is just so expensive for therapy. Um, thankfully there's a lot of organizations out there that are, you know, doing therapy for an affordable rate. And then, um, our state department of mental health as well, they do, um, they do uh, stuff on a sliding scale. And, um, so yeah, so, um, I've been able to talk with my therapist and, and my psychiatrist and stuff and like, um, talk to all that. And thankfully I've not been part of the Adderall shortage because, um, in America we have an Adderall shortage that I know is affecting a lot of people. It's affecting a lot of children with ADHD. And um, for some reason, like I shockingly have not been affected by that. So my prescription has been, you know, steady. So I'm really, really thankful for that. I'm really grateful for that. Um, but yeah, so my PhD journey so far. So I had foundations. Um, it was really great. Uh, not a lot of... Uh, deep diving on a lot of things, but it really got me thinking about like a topic for dissertation. And I was like, oh, I want to like study like women in public policy, like women in politics and stuff like that. And I was really excited. I started saving a bunch of articles in my library because you can create folders and save articles, which was really cool. But then I attended residency. So you have to do four residencies in your PhD program through Walden University. And I wasn't sure what residency was like, they have like a basic overview, but it was really confusing. I didn't understand what the purpose was. And they had these two types of residency that were online because stuff was still considered pandemic. So the first one would be, it's a four day residency and you sit on a zoom from like nine to six for four days straight. And I was like, I know with my short attention span, that's just not going to happen. It's just, it's just not going to happen. And then plus like working because y'all uh, like I, I haven't updated y'all, but I'm running a campaign right now for South Carolina Democratic Party chair. I'm running um, the campaign slate called SC4 together. It's four candidates that are running one for chair, one for first vice, second vice and third vice. So they're running as a slate. So I'm running that campaign and I'm doing that one by myself. I don't have my team with me on that one. So like it's just a lot of work on that campaign. And um, we have a lot of stuff to do between now and convention. And basically, um, I was like, okay, so let me choose other residency. So the other residency, it was two weeks long. And it was Monday through Thursday. And it was like 7 p.m. to 10.30 p.m. And I was like, that's cool because it's like Eastern time. So like they have to accommodate for people in different time zones. So it's like, okay, yeah, I could definitely do that. So you sit in front of the computer and you have your Zoom on the entire time. And um, it's kind of cool because you get to finally interact with people like face-to-face, -face, you know, through Zoom. And you get to talk about uh, just a bunch of different stuff. Uh, they put you through all these different things to talk about, you know, everything going on with uh, how to study for your PhD, how to prepare for your PhD, like how to make sure you're prepped and everything and, and all this stuff to make sure you're ready to go. They give you all this presentation material. They give you 
all this stuff. And you have to do a written summary after every class about like stuff that you learned. And then you have to do um, like some a thing that highlights like the key takeaways and then like what resources you need to move forward and then like what steps you're going to take for improvement. So like some of the topics they covered is like skills for success, like critical thinking skills, um, organizing your research in the library, like how to write in a scholarly tone, um, preparing for your dissertation journey. So that one was like a huge one that was very impactful for me because I've been very nervous about that. How to write an APA, um, how to apply critical thinking to your doctoral program and like really detailed on how to use the Walton Library. And so that was really cool. And then it was also cool to connect with people who are in your classes, but also like people who are more advanced in classes. So you can talk to them and ask questions um, about their pro progress so far and, and just kind of connect with people that are in your state or in surrounding states. Um, so that was pretty cool as well. So you can actually like um, connect with people that are close to you. And, and I actually ended up adding a few of them on social media. So we've been able to connect. And um, one thing good in the residency is that they give you a chance to meet with an advisor. So I was a little confused by this because I was like, okay, cool. Are you going to be my advisor like through the whole program? No, that was wrong. That's not what's going to happen. So in meeting your advisor, so you schedule time to meet with them. And you talk to them and you ask general questions and stuff, of course, because this is residency one, I just had general questions. So I met with the person that I chose because um, I just picked one of the people because I had two people available for the program to for advising appointments. And I met with them and talked to them about, yeah, I want to do like women in public policy, like women in politics. And they were like, no, 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 no. That's not what this program is. And I was like, wait, what? Like I was really excited to talk about women, you know, in, in policy and stuff. And um, they clarified, no, this is with public policy and administration. You pick a policy and you study that policy. And that policy is specific to an area, a state, a region or something like that. And what you're trying to do is like find an area where the, the there's a gap in the research. There's a gap in the literature. So I'm like, okay what the heck do I do? Cause I was like really excited about this idea and they keep telling you like, it's okay. Like you're going to figure out your topic over time. It just takes time. It just takes time. And I'm just like over here, like, ah, oh, no, I, I got to figure it out now. Ah. Cause the one thing they definitely make sure you realize is that you should be reading an article a week around your topic um, throughout your entire period of the coursework. So I'm just like, well, I have to pick a topic. I have to pick something. I have to pick something. And they're like, no, no, no. Even if you don't pick a topic, like reading an article a week helps develop your scholarly tone. And I'm like, okay, I get that. So what I did, um, my problem is I'm passionate about everything. Like there's too many things, um, that I would love to study and I'd love to learn more about. I'm just a, I'm a constant learner. So, what I did is I turned to Facebook. So I turned to Facebook to get an idea from people. I was like, well, let me pick their brains. You know, if if they were in my situation, like what would they want to see studied? You know, what, what would they want to see further research on? And it was really cool to see some insight because um, of course I have a lot of Democratic friends on social media, but I also have Republican friends. So the ones who are, I know are Republican who didn't comment on my post, I reached out to them directly to kind of get their insights as well. 
say, hey, like, um, what do you want to see further researched and stuff? So then that kind of turned in, someone's comment turned into voting. And I mean, I, I love talking about voting history and voting rights. And and because I remember, you know, like I've talked about in a previous episode, that when I voted, um, it was in 2008 and I was 20 years old. I didn't know that I could vote when I was 18. I didn't know that I could have voted in 2006. And also with voting, like I didn't know anyone else on the ballot besides president. And I was involved in college Democrats. And like, I only knew person wanted running for president. And like, I didn't know anything else. Like, yeah, I was a Democrat, but like, I still don't believe in just clicking all Democrats and walking away. Like I, I believe you should research the candidate or the candidate should at least reach out to you and you should get a under full understanding of what they're running for and their platform and everything like that. So, yeah. So I was looking into that and I was like, okay, how can I bring in my criminal justice background into this, you know, the voting process? And I was like, okay. Then I started doing more researching and then I was like, oh yeah, my neighbor, she told me about, you know, her situation with voting and how she's not allowed to vote. And that just shocks me. Like, and then it reminded me of when I worked in the prison, like people who would be getting out of prison, they were told how to re-register to vote. Because in our state, when you complete your term of imprisonment, you're allowed to re-register to vote. However, your term of imprisonment includes probation and parole, which could also include any fees you have associated with your term. So that is called felon disenfranchisement. And so then it got me thinking like, okay, what are the felon disenfranchisement laws in the United States? And I was shocked to see that like, it's not a national thing. Like every state has their own rules. Some states, as long as you're not in jail, you can vote or not incarcerated, you can vote. In some states, like as soon as you get convicted with a felony, like you're done. Even if you get out, you're, you're back out on the streets, everything like that, you're back home, your term's over, you still can't vote. And then some states, like, um, you can vote no matter what. Like, there's no rules in place. Like, as long as you're registered, you can vote because that, that's what they believe. So I was looking at South Carolina data, and, like, they said um, that about 50,000 people in South Carolina are on parole or probation, and they're not allowed to vote. Um, so they live in the community, they pay taxes, but they're not allowed to vote. And then they're also not allowed to be involved in their political parties because we have a or we have a code of law in South Carolina that says that you must be a registered voter to be involved in your political party. So that pushes them away from political engagement. And then like, it's a, it's a, thing that just it, it spirals down to the family because then they're not politically engaged so then their kids are not politically engaged so then they're not politically engaged and it just is this continuous cycle of not being politically engaged so i haven't been able to talk to anybody about this um any advisor and stuff so like apparently i have to wait until residency two which i don't know when that's going to happen um to figure out like is this the right path that I'm on? Is this what I should be focusing on? Like, can I do this topic is the other thing. And so um, I really hope it is because I really, I found um, a good amount of articles that I want to start reading about this topic. But um, yeah, that's just a bit about the dissertation process. And um, found out the dissertation document is about 200 pages long and like it's a continuous process like you have to be okay with being told no this is not good 
and you have to edit your stuff and you have to do better. But like, that's because the professors are like, they're pushing you to take it further. They're just going to push you to take it further, take it further. Um, so I just have to, I'm going to have to be comfortable with rejection is a huge factor of it. And that's something the residency has taught you, like be comfortable with your rejection, be comfortable with being told you're wrong and be comfortable for standing up for yourself as well. So like, it's all like a process. Um, this journey is not going to be easy at all. Um, but I just know that like, I have the support system in place. Um, the thing that worries me tremendously is finances, um, finances for the program, because I got my two master's degrees and, you know, those came with student loans. And at the time I was working like part-time at Lowe's. So I did not return the leftover money from the student loan. I just kept that as income because I had to pay for, you know, life. And, um, I don't know when I'm going to max out my student loans, um, so that's a concern, but I do have an IRA and apparently you can borrow against your IRA for education purposes. So I'm definitely going to talk to my financial advisor about that because thankfully when I worked in state government, I started paying into the retirement system as soon as I started working in state government in 2012. So I have a good amount of money saved up in my IRA, which is, um, that was a really good choice that I made. Um, Right now, I'm not paying anything into a retirement account, which I probably should. I probably should. I should probably bring a financial advisor on one of these episodes and we could talk about finances and stuff because that'd be really good to talk about the impact of like retirement accounts. Because I think that our generation, we don't talk about retirement stuff. Um, we don't talk about, you know, that retirement plan. I, I remember even in college, people would be like, oh, by the time y'all retire, like there is not going to be a retirement anymore. And so that's a little... A little scary, but I just think about like, you know, what is retirement going to look like by the time that, you know, we get to that age to retire? Because I'm only 34 right now, but even the generation coming up behind me, like, what is retirement going to look like when that happens? So that's going to be an interesting little thing to look at. Um, but yeah, the residency was great. Um, got a passing grade on the assignment. Um, you're supposed to keep your camera on the whole time and you're supposed to, you know, you're not allowed to use that time to like, you can't have your kids with you because you got to pretend like you're in class, like you're in a classroom. So like they tell you don't have your kids with you. Like it's not dinner time. Like you, you have to sit on, sit on there. You have to dress professionally every day and you are in the classroom. So um, it was very interesting to see how many people turn their camera off. And very interesting that which professors were like, it's a requirement to put your camera on. And then which professors think, yeah, it's cool, whatever. So it's just very interesting. But like that kind of makes me think like, is this fair? Like people are following the rules and they get the full credit. So are they really strict on not following the rules? Like it's a PhD program. Like people should be following the rules. And I'm just like, and then I go back to just stay in your lane, you know, just stay in your lane. I got to focus on what I'm doing and not worry about what other people are doing because like, this is my grade. Those other students who are not following the rules, they don't impact my grade. I impact my grade and that's what matters. And so now, you know, I'm a couple weeks into these next two classes, which is the ethics and the um, uh, theories class. Um, so two separate classes and so far, you know, doing really, really good. Um, was a little scared to have two classes at once, but so far it's going well. Um, a lot of the assignment due dates line up with this with each other, so that's a little stressful. 
but um, just making sure that I keep calendar of events and I have a calendar on my wall and I have a digital calendar to make sure I have my due dates, everything and everything prepped and ready to go. And on Mondays, I try to make a to-do list of everything that's um, going on and like to prepare for my week. So that's a good thing that I do. And then so far I have hundreds in both classes. So that's really exciting. Um, but if anyone's interested in like taking that doctoral journey step, like just, you know, reach out and I'd love to talk to you about it. I'm not in that dissertation phase, but I'm going to bring a couple people um, on the podcast that are in that dissertation phase that can talk about what that phase looks like. Um, and because apparently like the coursework phase is like a year, year and a half. And then your dissertation phase could be a year to like three or four years. So it just depends on your work. It depends on like what you do with it and how long you take to do it and how committed you are to it. So yeah, um, we're going to have some fun episodes over the next few weeks. We're going to have some guests come on. I'm going to bring in some political people. going to interview some people and uh, we're going to continue being extra. So thanks for hanging out with me for this short episode so I can just update you on my journey. I'm really excited to explore this felon disenfranchisement. And um, if you know anything about felon disenfranchisement and want to drop it in the comments or um, if you want to um, email me or anything, my contact information's in the details. So you can contact me there and uh, I'd love to talk with you more. And if you want to be a guest and talk about, you know, your dissertation process or you know, you're, you're, if you know stuff about felon disenfranchisement or if you want to talk about politics or you want to talk about life or being extra, like, come on, join me on the podcast and uh, I'll talk with you soon. Thank you for joining me on this episode of Being Extra. You can follow us on all social media platforms at Being Extra Podcasts. We're on Instagram, Facebook, and yes, we're still on Twitter. We do some updates on there, but mainly just follow along your favorite podcast provider. And I hope you enjoyed today's episode. And share this podcast with your friends. And always remember, life is so much better when you're just being a little extra. Talk to you soon. (laughs) 